ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at Wakefield Crowbar. Here now are the Killer Bees, Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. What up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. I'm in Austin today. Uh, no, Joe you're George at the crowbar. The glass. Yeah, well, you might be. I'm not. No, and, neither uh, one of us are, but that's what they know. Joe's back. Joe's back. a little <laughs> sand volleyball, smell of the sand? Yeah, I guess so. Welcome back, Joe. <laughs> that's my fault. <laughs> it was good to miss you. Not. I didn't love that in there. <laughs> Uh, yeah. What have you been up to, by the way, Joe? You've been gone for four days. Just so happened uh, you left us after Monday. You worked Monday for some reason, and then you were gone for four straight days. I, I are you feeling re-energized? Are you feeling? Uh, are you feeling fresh of ideas? How are you feeling? Uh, I feel good. Uh, re-energized, I guess. Ideas, yes. Um, I don't know. Feel pretty good. Good to be back. I missed you guys a little bit. So where were you? I was at home. At home? Yeah, I a had stay, no... A staycation? No, not even. I, ha- I was I was dad mode for four days. My parents... My mom was out of town for a work trip, so she normally watches the kid during the week, um, at least a couple days, so I had no one to watch my son, so it was just me and him for four days. We are supposed to potty train. He got a fever, so we got nothing accomplished. So, yeah. But I'm back now. Blankers, what was that street in Houston that's been under so much scrutiny? Uh, Someone texted about it the other day. Why am I missing this one? I don't remember. It was uh, I don't remember the name of it. But somebody texted. There was some like after. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, it's where all the prostitution happens. That's not where she was, is it? Bissonette? Joe? No, it's not. Was it Bissonette? Yeah. Nope. Just making sure. I don't know what your I don't know what your mother does for work. I just wanted to rule one thing out. That's all I wanted to do. What a start! What a start, Jeremy! Want, wanted to rule one hey, thing Jeremy, out. you you started by saying telling every lying to everybody, telling we were at Wakefield Crowbar. That was that was Joe. Joe That's what I'm saying. That. I'm saying it to Joe. It's not oh, my I thought fault. you were saying it to me. All right. Well, welcome back, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> things are uh, things are going great with you back. Uh, Super Bowl is set. The Super Bowl has been established. We can uh, we can dismiss these uh, these these uh, what, were the, what would you call them? These wild conspiracies that whoever has the uh, whoever has the same color in their uniform as the Super Bowl logo is dead set to go to the Super Bowl because it was purple and red this year. And the only purple team remaining lost yesterday. So mm-hmm. all of these tinfoil hats, all you conspiracy theorists, we can rule all of you out. Joe, were you one of these? Did you have the tinfoil cap? Uh, I did not. Um, on, on the off chance that it did happen, uh, I was going to bet on whoever was in the colors next year. But uh, no, I don't believe in that. Okay, yeah, I don't. I, I I had my I had I was paying attention to it. But now we can rule it out completely. Uh, the Ravens lose. They were the only purple team left, so it's the Chiefs that win that game. Blakers was on to this one. If you have Pat Mahomes as an underdog, uh, you should be picking Pat Mahomes. Turns out that you should be picking Pat Mahomes, although I wouldn't say Pat Mahomes was the reason that uh, the Chiefs won this football game yesterday. I would say it was more the Baltimore offense. Now you can give Kansas City's defense credit, certainly. Lamar Jackson proved to be Lamar Jackson yet again. You can't trust him in the playoffs, which brings into a bigger question. Can Lamar Jackson ever lead to his team to a Super Bowl? Uh, um, Zay Flowers, costly, 
costly oh, mistake at the goal line. This came moments after a costly, costly taunting penalty. And then the Ravens also wanted to be a bully with uh, Pat Mahomes, which I can appreciate. I can admire that. I have no problem uh, letting the opposing quarterback fill you. you. We all know that. But they did it stupid. Like, they, they were moronic with how they handled their treat. Like, I have no problem making the quarterback fill you, as Harbaugh told the TV announcers, uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. But for a quarterback to fill you, you can't be picking up unsportsmanlike penalties over and over and over in the fourth quarter, in the second half, and that's what Baltimore was doing yesterday in their loss to Kansas City. Yeah, you hope that Zay Flowers learns a lesson, but that was literally a killer for them because it was a big play that they were desperately searching for. It looked like they were going to be within a field goal. It looked like they could build some momentum, and obviously you'd have so many different options. Uh, and, and then he just continued to screw up because after the first penalty, then he quit on a route to get into a verbal altercation with one of the Chiefs D-backs when Lamar was extending the play. Then he has the fumble at the goal line, and you're like, man, I get rookie mistake, but mistakes and when they happened were just a backbreaker. And, and like you said, from a Ravens perspective, yeah, Lamar made some plays. Yeah, Lamar did some things. But overall, we've been talking about it for two weeks since they played the Texans. This team's identity was running the football. And because they went down from the opening drive, they kept pressing more and more to pass the football and got completely away from what made them the best team in the NFL for the majority of the year. I wonder how much of that, though, is they, they didn't trust themselves on the ground against Kansas City. Because you, you take away Lamar Jackson and what he did. Like Gus Edwards, three carries, 20 yards, ain't bad. Uh, Zay, two carries, four yards. Justice Hill, three carries, three yards. Like, and I mean, it's not enough carries to really get a grasp. I wonder if they just didn't trust themselves running the football against Kansas City, which, look, it's the strength of your team. Like, at least stick to it. Like, stay committed to it. Uh, but you're right. They got away from it after a couple of possessions. I thought Steve Spagnola had a perfect game plan. Now, did Baltimore play into it a bit? A bit? I, I think that you can say that that's totally fair. But this is what I wanted to see the Texans do to Baltimore. And look, the, the Texans don't have the personnel defensively of what Kansas City does yet. Hopefully, yet. Hopefully, it, it's coming. But they forced. They, I think they forced Lamar Jackson to try to beat beat them over the top. And look, you got the one. You got the one to Zay Flowers uh, in the first quarter. Hey, tip your cap. You're not going to hold Lamar Jackson. And to, to no points. You're not going to shut Lamar Jackson out. But that was like that was the game plan I wanted to a T for the Texans to apply to Baltimore two weeks ago. Hey, try to stop the run the best that you can. Like sell out to stop the run. Play some tight coverage. And if Lamar Jackson beats you over the top, Lamar Jackson beats you over the top. I wanted Lamar to throw it 30 times in the Texans game minimum. Didn't happen. You know how many times he threw it yesterday against Kansas City? 37 times. Kansas City sold out to stop the run. I think that's why Baltimore got away from it. Did they get away from it too soon? Yes, totally. That's fine. But they were also playing tight coverage. They they were allowing the the deep ball. They were allowing the shot play. They were giving that an opportunity. And it worked once, and that's it. And you got a, you got an interception, could have been a couple more. You forced a couple of turnovers. That was exactly how you had to defeat Baltimore. And when I look at that game yesterday, hey, Pat Mahomes is great. Travis Kelsey is great. Kansas City didn't win that game because of their offense, though. No, their defense played great, and that's without Gay because – and he's been such a big factor for them in the linebacking core when you start thinking about – uh, how important your linebackers are in containing Lamar and doing what you need to do. But Spagnola was able to work around that. And he was, like you said, he was able to put him in uncomfortable situations and make him do things that he, he isn't at his best doing. And, and it could have been a lot worse because Lamar got away with a few. And, and yet they were still in, in a position where they were in the ball game 
until they just completely melted down. And when you look at it, that's the other thing. You know, we, we talk about Harbaugh being a really good coach. We talk about how they have a lot of structure with the Ravens and, you know, they're a model franchise in so many ways, but their coaching staff always harps on the attention to detail. And then you look at the silly penalties, and there were many. And, and you just, you know, you start talking about, well, Van Noy decided to headbutt Kelsey right in front of an official, and you're going, that's 15 you just didn't need right there. And then the the uh, the sweeping closed whether it was closed fist or not the the, the open handed fi- uh, punch to the face of Mahomes yeah. where you just you can't mistake it you're going come on guys you're better than that and then the Zay Flowers penalty you're going man those are three right there that really kicked you below the belt when you didn't need it yeah if you're not, if you're going to commit a, a roughing the passer you better hurt him like you better make it worth it you better you better like make him really feel it and that wasn't the case on either one I had I have no problem being tough with with a quarterback. We all know that. It's been a topic of the show for the last couple of weeks. But I found it very interesting that Harbaugh told that to Tony Romo and Jim Nance. Hey, that we hey, Mahomes is coming over to the sideline feeling way too comfortable. When he gets to the sideline, uh, we want to deliver a blow. But there's a way that you can do right. that wisely. And like maybe and maybe you do get, have one or two called against you, but not on a critical third down, not to keep a drive alive. Uh, I think that that stuff should probably end once you come out in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. So I think there's a way that that you can go about it, do it wisely. I think Baltimore, uh, they had that planted in their mind from their coaching staff of we're going to attack him, we're going to hurt him, we're going to make him fill us. And then they allowed the game script of them getting behind to start to frustrate them. And now frustration, with that already implanted into their brain, it led to that combination of, like you could call it flat out dirty. But I would, I don't see like dirty's like whatever, like, I'd rather be the dirty team than allow the other team be dirty to me. Sorry. But whenever it crosses the line to stupidity is where I have an issue. And I, I think that Baltimore yesterday crossed the line into stupidity. Yeah, multiple times, too. Because, look, I, I, like, you know, and you're right. We've talked about this. But the thing is, if it happens right borderline or if they're saying, you know, it's like Brady used to do. He wanted to make sure everybody was his best friend on the defense or try to act like that so that maybe they wouldn't hit him if he didn't slide or, you know, if he went head first, Purdy was doing it a lot yesterday too, instead of going, you know, with the baseball slide or at the sidelines, he wants, he wants guys that, you know, I like Tom, I'm going to pull up. But if it's within the context or just right there, like if he doesn't slide early enough, you, there's no doubt you're, you're trying to send a message and this is the most important game of the year. But the, the stupidity was just the, like you said, where in the game they did it, and then how they did it right in front of an official when the official had no choice but to say, that's an easy one right there. I mean, I'm just going to reach down and throw the laundry on the field because I, I saw it right there in front of me. You weren't even trying to disguise it. No, you you were uh, you were. I mean, it was really my game plan of what I wanted to be Lamar Jackson. Like that's what was funny about it, and that's what I was laughing about during the game. Was that's exactly how I wanted to have the mindset of Lamar. Now they crossed their line against Mahomes, and they I think they were getting frustrated in that game. Uh, Zay Flowers, you can chalk up to the rookie stuff. Like I don't know if that was a rookie mistake. I think it was just a stupid mistake. Uh, rookies can be smart and not make that play, but he was trying to die for the goal line. Like it's hard to put a ton of criticism for Zay. Now I think Lamar has to be talked about here. Uh, Lamar had some, like, he had the long run. He had the catch on the tip pass, all of those things. But the Lamar Jackson that we saw yesterday was the Lamar Jackson that we talk about as, hey, can this guy get it done? Hey, can this guy win the playoffs? Because Lamar Jackson... He was my top quarterback entering the postseason, talking about like form and the way they played in the regular season. He didn't look like that guy yesterday, and I've called Josh Allen a quarterback that I don't think can win the big one. I have questions if Lamar Jackson can win the big one. Yeah, look, I started bringing it up, the comparison with Harden 
bef- you know, when we started this conversation with the Texans when they were playing the Texans. And, and it was solely because of the fact, too, that it was going to play mentally, no matter how much he says, I'm not listening to it, I don't hear it, I'm not doing it. With the press conferences, with his quotes and things, you could tell he knew what was being said. He knew what he had to do. And because they got the win against the Texans, I think he started to feel a little better about himself, like, yep, this is going to be our year. This is my way of putting it behind me. And then yesterday happened, and it all gets reset again. And now it's gonna, he's going to hear it louder than ever because now here's another year where you were the one seed, where everybody l- looked at you and said you were the most dominant team in football, and yet you make an early departure. And, yes, you got to the championship game, but when you did, you looked like you were anything but your absolute best. And, and that's a huge problem that's not going away that's going to follow him around until he's able to kind of get over the hump and then push through at the finish line. And I don't know if it's not getting any easier because now Burrow's coming back healthy and Herbert's got a real coach. And, you know, the Texans are on the cusp of coming at him, too. Teams are getting better in the AFC. And this was a legit chance for you to get there and dispel a lot of your critics. And then when it mattered most, you gave your critics more ammunition. 713-780-ESPN. We'll take your thoughts on Kansas City and Baltimore. Kansas City going into Baltimore, coming away with a 17-10 win. Uh, we got to get into the NFC side of things, too. Uh, how many Aggies, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to, how many Aggies does it take to get a fourth and short, go for it, kick a field goal correctly? How many Aggies does it take to run or throw the football on third and goal late in the game? I hate, I love Dan Campbell. I hate that I had to say that. Uh, I love Dan Campbell. Uh, I hate that Dan Campbell had a rough game yesterday. Uh, we got to get into that. Brock Purdy doing some Brock things in the second half. It is a mailbag Monday with the Killer Bees. You can ask us whatever you want to ask us. We'll get into some Astros stuff as well. Also, what is tougher to achieve? We'll discuss this in the 5 o'clock hour. What is tougher to achieve? What Kansas City has done? What the Astros have done. 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. We're on the Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN975. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Joe George. Or, I'm not Joe George. He's at Joe George Radio. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Lions Niners gave us an all-time collapse. Was it worse than Texans Chiefs in 19? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN975, ESPN925. Kane is in the building. <laughs> The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and murderous Jays. It occurred to me during the commercial that I shouldn't be making Aggie jokes when we're the home of the fighting Aggies. He's blank, I'm Branham. We are the Killer Bees. I should have said that he's Branham, I'm blank, after making that timely joke. Uh, 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Let's go out there before we switch gears to the NFC Championship. Uh, Paul is on the line. Paul, you're in the hive with the Bees. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, first off, I think the Lions... It's probably better for Campbell not to go to Vegas because uh, he'd be the type of guy that's uh, hitting 19 and split, splitting face cards. So, uh, in that respect, but what I what I was really disappointed in that Ravens Kansas City game was the total total lack of control that Harbaugh seemed to have over his players. I mean, you had your leader, supposedly leader in Lamar, throwing his helmet, and guy, you know, I expect stupid things from uh, Cloudy. Yeah, when he hit that quarterback leg, hit Mahomes' leg, but they just they just totally lost their cool. I think they did. I mean, uh, Kelsey was baiting them, and man, they they were chirping. I, I wish you could, we could hear what they were saying, but 
I think he just uh, set them all up to uh, uh, whatever he was saying. They, they did it, you know, and, and they just lost their cool. But, uh, yeah, I just don't see it happening with Lamar. I, I, he's a great quarterback, but I don't think he can take you to the next level just like, you know, like Dak Prescott, the poor man's version of Lamar. But uh, I'll hang up and listen. Thank Appreciate the call. Look, Lamar's like I said, Lamar is going to face even more scrutiny now. I mean, I'm sure that he kind of took a deep breath after the Texans game and felt like, okay, now I, you know, I can relax a little bit and I feel better that you know we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing moving forward and this is the way to dispel it because of the not just the loss but the way they lost and the fact that he did not play great. He now is going to face even more than he did coming into this playoff run because now there's, two, like I said, when you're the number one seed two times in a row, and at least this time they got to the AFC championship game, but you look horrible after being so dominant for what the last six weeks of the regular season, and and you're the quarterback, you're the face of the franchise, you're everything for this for this team, and and you fall short, you're going to face a whole hell of a lot more. Yeah, I think that's a good point about Paul about the lack of discipline because you wouldn't expect that from a hardball team. I was surprised by it. I really was uh, to see you know the the undisciplined nature of Baltimore. And there's a very fine line between being tough, physical, you know, bordering the line of dirtiness, and then just just being dumb about it and losing your composure. And I agree that to to, Ball, to uh, Paul's point uh, that that's what we saw. Four hundred nine, Josh. The only thing Lamar has in common with Harden is he hasn't won a championship. Lamar is a leader. Doesn't ask for players to be brought in only to run them off, and doesn't get coaches fired. Lamar is much more desirable than Harden. The Mellow comparison makes more sense. What do you think about that, Blankers? Mellow's, in, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to go to the basketball card, I mean, you could say a Charles Barkley, you could say a Patrick Ewing, you could say guys that are going to be great that may go down as one of the all-time greats. But if they don't win the big one, you know, it's something that's going to follow them around, and it's going to be a blemish that they're never going to be able to get away from and clear up. So. Yeah, I mean, look, if you don't like the Harden comparison because Harden off the floor, I get it, but it's just strictly their career on their, you know, given playing field, it, it starts to it starts to match up pretty easily. But if you want to go like all-time greats, now we're talking about Stockton and, and uh, Ewing and, and uh, Barkley. Too much basketball. We're talking about conference championship games for my liking. Uh, 30-62, I really like Dan Campbell, but he picked a very bad time to have a bad game. There's a thin line between being overly aggressive and being dumb. Unfortunately, I think yesterday was more of the latter. I thought Campbell was uh, not very good in this game, Blankers, and I know that you have a, uh, a strong thought with how you feel about the way Dan Campbell handled yesterday's game. Yeah, I do, and it's simply because of where we were in the season. And If this was week five against Minnesota or if this was a lot of you know what Dan Campbell did all year, then there's a lot more leeway and there's a lot more understanding. But when you're talking about a locker room full of veterans as well as the young team that they started to build and guys that may never sniff another uh, NFC championship game again or were thinking that they had a legit chance to go to the Super Bowl and you made those decisions and maybe the second one, yeah, it was a drop and, and it was a little bit more. I still on the road as an underdog to take the points. I, I'm more likely to take the points. But when you're, you know, and I lived it the week before because of the fact that Green Bay screwed up. They went for it on fourth down twice, or on once. It screwed them over for three that they desperately needed. And then they should have kicked, they tried to kick the field goal and they missed. So you had San Francisco on the ropes, but I think they were dominating the majority of the game. And when you're Dan Campbell, 
I don't agree with doing that in that situation because Dan Campbell, it's more, it's more than just you. It's more about more than just saying, well, Zay Flowers is a rookie mistake and he's going to learn from it. Yeah, this was your first go round, but this was for everybody in the locker room that no matter what Jared Goff's going to say publicly after the game, there's a lot of guys, fringe guys, guys that are lo- you know longer in the tooth that are going, oh my God, this was my only shot possibly. And, and this is what we did as opposed to what we could have done. And it's, it, it's tough, man. I, yeah, I, you're kind of applying that Campbell was selfish, though. Like, I don't think that that was the case. Like, I don't like these decisions at all, but Campbell did it because of the best interest of the team, not because he wanted to be like this no, selfish riverboat gambler. No, I, I'm saying, Jeremy, uh, I still believe that, you know what, at the end of the day, the, the, the situation matters. This is the NFC Championship game with a chance to tie the game late and, and, and be right there in the middle of it as opposed to kind of, with momentum shifting already, pull the plug and give them a whole lot more. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I can live with the one in the third pull quarter. The plug? I, like, it, what if they convert and go score a touchdown and take the lead, though? But like, I don't didn't. like the decision. Yeah, but that, because that's of the length. History, if, this is, if this is fourth and one, I get it, right? I get it. There's there's a lot better chance to get it. And and there, and there even still, I, I think in that situation, the way that their offense was able to be effective against the Niners, I'm thinking, hey, I'll still take – tie game, you know, 10 minutes to go, nine minutes to go, or whatever, how much is left on the clock, and I, I'm going to believe that we're going to have a shot to win this thing, but when you go for it with that distance to get, it, 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 it just, to me, it's so much more risky than a, a, a fairly makeable 47-yard field, field goal to where I'm going, I just, I'm going to live to play tie ball game, play it out, best team win, Man. as opposed to going for it fourth and three, three and a half. And think that I've got a better chance. I, I hate. I just hated everything about it. See, I don't disagree with with the like. I don't like going for it there either. I, I don't like your reasonings though. Like the one, you're one, you're you're letting the results dictate how you feel about it. Like I, I feel like that you should never do that. You should. It should always be what would you do prior to the situation. I would have kicked the field goal there too. I, I would have tried to tie. Now it's not a guarantee you're going to make a forty-seven right. yarder, but I would have tried to kick the field goal there and tie the game as well. Um, ESPN analytics said that the decision to go for it made the odds like point two uh, two percent better. Like that's mm-hmm. tiny. That's marginal. Like who cares? Like that. That's very very small. But I'm making that call before I snap it, then waiting for the results to form an opinion. Yeah, yeah, look, to, the the fact to me is to, and I lived it to some degree, but I, I talked, there were football people in the Packers front office the year that they had the Seahawks beat for three and a half quarters, and the onside kick, uh, got, the Keith Bostick, the backup tight end, decided to be a hero instead of blocking. He tried to field it. He fumbled it. Seattle got it. They won the game. They said it unequivocally, you can't let that guy back in the locker room because of all the guys that affected and, and how negative it was. I'm not saying fire Dan Campbell, but I'm saying for as good of a season as Dan Campbell had, and he was a little bit of a riverboat gambler, but he also was playing the analytics. And you know what? And he is a leader of men, and everybody's following him. But I, as a coach, you have to kind of take in the, the, the entire context of the situation and going, we're living to fight to see another series with the football and a chance to win the football game. And I'm I'm giving my and maybe even go and take it into overtime. But my but best don't you chi- think his decision was to try to win? Like we can sit here oh, and say I know it was he's trying to win that it was wrong, but he didn't do it for himself. No, I'm not he saying he did like in an effort to try to win the game. But I think smartly for the for the leader of that entire football team, the best decision for that football team was, like I said, if it's fourth and one, then I, I get it. It's a different conversation. But if it's four three fourth and three three and a half, and I've got a, a fairly legitimate chance to make this field goal. I got to make this. I, I got to take the chance to make the field goal and live with those results, as opposed to 
the distance that you had to get in the situation that you were in, fourth quarter NFC Championship game, I got to make a, a, a different coaching decision there for the benefit of my entire team than what I did there because I had done the same it all year. Thing if, would you say the same thing if they converted and went and scored on that drive? I still would have questioned it, absolutely, because I just I think that it's one thing to say, you know what, the analytics say, and I'm I've done this all year and I'm rolling with the dice. Maybe even on the on the first of the two that he went for that uh, the receiver dropped, but I'm looking at this one differently. Going, look, now we're in we're in crunch time. Now we are in. You know, do or die time where any mistake can be magnified. And, and I want to live with the fact that that was a makeable field goal. I'm taking my chances that my offense has been good all day. My defense has been good all day. I'm going to live with my team and, and, and back them that way as opposed to saying I'm going for the kill here. I'm going for the, the, the first down and I'm going to take it. Whether he made it or not, I was like out of my chair going, what is he doing on that, on that particular play? All right, I think the one thing that uh, analytics doesn't account for that I have an issue with, I'll tell you what that is on the other side. We'll get your conference championship game reactions as well. 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Guys, right now I want to tell you about Allstate Siding and Windows. It's time to give your home a facelift by installing some new windows. Call Allstate Windows and Siding right now and get windows that are made here in the state of Texas, built for the Texas tough, tough weather. You know about hurricane season. You need weather-tested weather, weather uh, windows that are going to be strong, durable. They're going to take all those high winds during hurricane season and all the moisture and, and be Texas tough for you when you need it most. Just like they're great at being energy efficient and cutting your energy bills by up to 40% by keeping the coolant in the summer and the heating in the wintertime, they are going to do all that and more because they're also going to make the appearance of your house that much more valuable and better by the way that they look. I just had new windows put in in my house. I can't tell you how much better the facelift looks on the front of my house. And I know I'm saving on my energy bills. And I know all the different ways they are going to protect me and my family. It's absolutely fantastic. And right now they got a window special. 30% off on all windows. And you get 24 months interest free. There's discounts for senior citizens, first responders, the military. Mary and Mike and the family have been in business for almost 50 years. They support Houston Sports and ESPN 97.5, and they do it all for you. That's why they want to connect with you and see how they can help you. 832-204-1936. Just call them. They'll come to your house. 832-204-1936 or allstatewindowsandsiding.com. Teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Someone in the uh, Twitch said that uh, what people aren't bringing up is that the Lions kicker isn't good from 40 or more. Uh, it's Riley Patterson. That's not correct either. Uh, now, he didn't kick many uh, field goals from 40 or longer. He was 2 for 2 from 40 to 49. He was 1 from 2 from 50 yards or longer, which if he didn't kick a lot, maybe it's just the philosophy of the Lions. Hey, we're going to go for it in those situations. Uh, but lifetime, he's 16 of 19 from 40 to 49, 3 of 6 from 50 or more. So it's, I mean, Riley Patterson's not Matt Amendola. Wasn't it Badgley? Like he can knock in a 40-yard or longer kick. Who's that? Wasn't it? I thought it was Badgley, the, the Lions kicker. Oh, was it not Patterson? I, I think Patterson got the Lions hurt. Kicker, and it was Riley Patterson. Yeah, I think Patterson so got hurt. Badgley but Badgley, is the Lions kicker? yeah, but I had I had read a couple articles where Badgley was pretty consistently from forty eight and under. He was he was relatively good. I mean, I, I keep thinking about Amendola, but you know, they said that you know, there wasn't a, a, a yeah, it was Michael Badgley. 
I just, in that situation, I'm going to live with my kicker because of the distance that they had to get on fourth down to. Well, three yards isn't a lot. Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like, people think I'm arguing for Dan Campbell here, and I'm not. I thought it was a stupid decision. But three yards is not, that, that's a short. That's fourth and short. Yeah, he, he, uh, he's not much better, Jeremy. He took over uh, late in the season. And one he, for one. Yeah, one for one. He was 37 for 18 in his career. Like, that's not, it's not a, it's not a guarantee, but it's still, he makes them far more than he misses them. Right. Like, I, I still would have kicked the field goal here. Like, I'm not anti-field goal. I would have kicked the field goal. It's just some of the arguments that, that I, I don't like. Like, the analytics would say that it was 0.2% better. Like, whatever. Yeah. That's too marginal. Like, you should have vibes. What I think that we miss out on whenever the analytics come into play, and this is where I, I think that analytics and football and these go-forward or kick situations uh, really have, like, a flaw in their information. Uh, it's not the percentages of converting. What I don't like, though, is whenever you can increase the possession lead or decrease the possession deficit. For instance, there was two in play yesterday from Dan Campbell that I thought he got incorrect. Uh, the fourth and two at the San Francisco 28. This was halfway through the third quarter. You're up 24 to 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, you kick the field goal there, all of a sudden it's a three-possession yep. game. Like, I don't think that the analytics factors in the, the, the difference of possession as well as it could. And what also made that first one questionable midway through the third quarter is he had a very similar decision in the first half, and he kicked it on a fourth-and-goal situation to make it a 17-point game. So it's like, okay, you're being inconsistent there. I don't like the inconsistencies. And then the one that you alluded to, fourth-and-three, San Francisco 30, midway through the fourth quarter, it was 27 to 24. I, I know that it's not a, a guarantee to make that field goal, but a better chance of making it than missing it. I, I'm trying to tie the game there as well mm-hmm. because now it's a tie game. Now you go from a one-possession deficit to now it's a, it's, it's a wash. It's even. It's all square. So that's something that I feel like the analytics side of things doesn't always take into play that I'm always looking for. It, like I like Dan Campbell. Hold on a second. I like the Dan Campbell decision in the first half to make it a three-possession game. But then why, the when you have the same exact instance... Right. Midway through the third quarter, you're keeping it at a two-possession game. I know that you're trying to score the touchdown, but you're, you're ruining that opportunity. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't add up. Well, the other thing that's always frustrating with me with analytics is be- I think there's a place for it, but I think it's also whether you call it the eye test or the game situation or, or the feel of where the, where the game is at that current time. The Lions were rolling in the first half. They were doing whatever they wanted offensively. And then all of a sudden, whether you, you, you say it's adjustments or, or whatever the, and drops and other things, it changed. The momentum changed. You could feel the momentum shift, and obviously the Ayuk play off the face mask and then the fumble recovery really started to change that as well. But I think offensively, they weren't really controlling the line of scrimmage and doing the things they were doing in the first half. So it's that also factors in for me as well when you think about anti-analytics. I hear what the analytics are saying, but I know that they are not exactly riding a wave of momentum right now, and they are not doing the things that they were able to do offensively throughout the game. So you take the fact that, hey, stop right here, kick the field goal, we're in a tie game, and we're in a good position. But if you miss it, if you go for it and you miss it, yeah, you get it. Yeah, I'm still questioning it, but I understand that's Dan Campbell and that's what he's done all year. But if you miss it, now that momentum, you give them good field position. They they are exactly where they want to be. They did it last week against Green Bay, and they feel like, okay, now we are in control of everything as opposed to tie game well, and you live and die with the field goal. Obviously, he can miss it, but I'm I'm thinking he's going to make that, and we're going to be in a situation to say, hey, you know, winner take all, let's go, tie game, eight minutes to play. 
Yeah, Walker says that Bagley was 9 for 20 over 48 yards. That's from the Lions reporter on Twitter. So now that's less than a 50% chance to make that kick. Um, I don't know if it had been 48 or not. Usually you go plus 17 from the yard line. Uh, but maybe it was a 50-50 chance to make that field goal and not quite an above 50% chance to make that field goal. I- I'm with you. I still would have kicked it there. Um, and I, the one that I had the bigger issue with was the, the midway through the third quarter, though. Like, it's, I understand that you lead by 14. Yeah. Like, I get that. Like, you. you have some cushion there. But you did the same thing in the first half where you made it a 17-point game. Why wouldn't you be doing that again? Now it's a three-possession game. Now you have some more cushion. Uh, so I, I found that one to be a little bit more egregious. Also, the Was the that the Josh Reynolds drop? Goal. I think it was, yeah. Yes, the one where he was yep. open legitimately and he dropped it. But nevertheless, I'm with you. I go up by three scores. I didn't like what he did on third down either. Like the, the final possession, whenever they, they were trying to score as quickly as they could, and he oh, ran yeah. the ball on yep. third and goal from like the two. He got stuffed, clocks running, and then they used the timeout. It's like, like you made a bad decision yep. running it, and I think that you may even made it worse by taking the timeout uh, because now you have no chance of getting the ball back unless you get the onside kick. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line and get to Martin. Martin, you're in the hive of the beast. What's up, Martin? Hey, what's up, guys? What's up, Martin? What's up? Hey, what's up? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I got to agree uh, with you guys on mostly everything. Mostly with Joe, though. Uh, the thing, what, uh, I went in yesterday rooting for the Lions, and after what Coach Campbell did, it really uh, it really made me lose a lot of, this, a lot of respect for him. Uh, you know, he really did mess up a lot of opportunities for a lot of those players. Uh, you know, they may, ne- they may never get that chance again, so... I mean that was kind of such a decision. Um, I've never been a big fan of teams going on, on on fourth down, even on the regular season. It just doesn't make any sense for me. That whole excuse of you know, um, you know, what if it wouldn't work? I think that's such, such a cop out excuse. Uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense for me. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it uh, that was a sucky thing to do. I think if I was a general manager or owner, I would have fired him today. Uh, because more than Fired likely, him. if he was in the same situation next season, uh, more than likely he would do the same decisions, and you know that's just not cool. I hang up and listen. Yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, that's why I said, look, it's one thing to question what Dan Campbell did in this game, but it's another thing to take it to a level that doesn't need to even be reasonably discussed without thinking that you're absolutely like on another planet. Dan Campbell did what Lions fans were rooting for for what 30 years I mean Dan Campbell has turned that thing around got it going in the right direction doesn't look like they're going anywhere but continuing where they where they built up this year uh and changed the entire complexion and culture of the entire city and the franchise Dan Campbell had a hell of a year but it's unfortunate but obvious that when you are on the biggest stage when all eyeballs are upon you and and you make that kind of decision or decisions and then they don't they don't work and you don't win the game, you're going to face the scrutiny. We talked about it with Lamar because of the exact same thing when we were talking about the AFC, but this is Dan Campbell's first go around in this. And this is who Dan Campbell has any look. He said in the production meetings, this is who we are. This is what we're going to do. I get all that, but situation matters and all the things we talk about matter. And that to me was a situation that was just a no-brainer. You kick it there. And, and I, I'm with you, Jeremy. I question the other one, too, because I'm always, especially on the road as an underdog, I want to be up three scores. Like, if I'm up three scores, yeah. I mean, I, I lived it the, la- the week before it with Green Bay. I'm like, they get up three scores against San Francisco at their place where it's quiet as can be. 
you just ride that thing out, you got a hell of a chance to win. That that's what my thinking was in, in that situation. Four one zero six, there are two sides of the ball. If the offense gives you three, take three, but of course Branham knows best. Look, I'm on the Dan I'm on the they should have kicked the the field goal here. But I, I have trouble with the like it, it people act like it's a slam dunk, you're gonna make the field goal. And according to the Walkers, you know, if that thing is actually accurate with uh, Badgley, where he's nine of twenty, you have, it's a, it's less than a coin flip chance that he's going to make it. Yet when people have this take, well, you take the three because the three's. What if you miss it? Like it's the it's the exact same thing. Missing a field goal there is the exact same thing as failing the fourth and three. And again, I would have kicked the field goal there. Like, but the, there's certain arguments that I don't like that people were making. Oh, well, just take the three. You're guaranteed to have it. No, you're not. You're well, not. You're right. It's he could 50, miss 50. it. It's yeah. 50-50 to make the three, and it's the exact same situation as the fourth and three. That's why I have a bigger issue with the fourth and two at the San Francisco 28. I also have a problem with the you can't play the what-if game. Life is literally what-if. What if I drive to the store today? What if I go out in icy conditions? Like Life is a game of risk-reward. You're making better decisions versus like the consequences. So like in that situation, the when Dan Campbell's trying to make a decision of fourth and three, he's playing the what-if game. He's playing what if we go for it here? What are the advantages and disadvantages? And he's also playing the what if we kick a field goal here and playing the advantages and disadvantage. Every decision we make in life is what if? What if I leave my dual? What if I leave my house at eight versus nine? What if I drive my big reg in the left lane or the right lane? Like the whole you can't play the what if game. Life is a game of what ifs. Yeah, no doubt about it. And you live with the consequence. And you know, like I said, it's so recent for me because Green Bay did this, and Green Bay went for it in the first half on a fourth down in the red zone. They missed it. They came away empty, and then the field goal that they missed when they actually changed their perspective and went for it, I mean, and kicked it, they missed the field goal. But you look at it, and of course, in totality, with people watching the game, they're thinking, well, if you'd have taken the points in the first half to put yourself up three scores, you'd at least be tied going to overtime. You wouldn't be watching Jordan Love throw into triple coverage because he needed a touchdown, setting yourself up, regardless of whether he made the field goal or not. I felt for Detroit and the Lions fans, and the same thing that got them as far as they got with Dan Campbell and his aggressive coaching style and even going for it, going for two, the many times that he did it, it to me it backfired because you felt like that's my identity, that's what I have to do, and every situation is different. And in that situation, just everything that we talked about, the momentum and, and, and you know ex- the point in the game and everything that was kind of changing, that's where I wouldn't have just said, well, I've done this all year, I, I'm going to do it again. And, and you got to be a little bit more open to the entire situation going, no, I think I'm taking the, po- the chance at getting the points here. Yeah, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776-8893 with perhaps the best point. The bigger thing is their defense fell apart or we wouldn't even be talking about it. Facts. Like, that's yeah. that's where the game was won. That's where the game was lost. Did Campbell make some questionable decisions down the stretch that influenced the game one way or the other? Yes, absolutely he did. Uh, the analytics on both of those kicks said that it was better to go for it, but barely. Like, like marginal. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, is it in the margin of error where this is like a wash? The first one, the one we talked about, 24 and 10 midway through the third quarter, ESPN analytics said there was point. 3% better to go for it. That's nothing. Uh, and then the second one that we talked about, ESPN Analytics said that it was 0.2% better to go for it. Again, nothing. Absolutely nothing. No, but you look at it, and this is the same conversation we had with D'Amico, who had a great first half, blitzing more than he had blitzed all year long against Lamar. And in the second half, 
the adjustments weren't there. They didn't work. And you could say the same thing about Aaron Glenn. I mean, as good as that defense played in the first half, that defense, whether you say they didn't make adjustments or the Niners did and you weren't ready for them, but the Niners were a hell of a lot more effective as we saw in the second half. And then Brock Purdy's getting two 21-yard runs, two scrambling, which you would think with how athletic their front seven is and what they were able to do in the first half, that that just wasn't going to happen. And those were backbreakers too. So yeah, Aaron Glenn deserves some of this too because as good as his defense was in the first half, it was not even close in the second half. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line BQ. But if Reynolds caught that pass on fourth and third, when the game be over, Lions would be able to uh, burn off at least another three minutes and then kick a field goal or potentially get a touchdown. It was still early. I mean, it was midway through the third quarter. And, and the yeah. thing is, even if they score that touchdown on that one, it's still a three possession game. Even if you make the field goal, it's a three possession game. I understand it's two touchdowns, one field goal versus three touchdowns. But it's still a three-possession game. They're still going to have to score three different times in order to at minimum, like minimum tie. So mm-hmm. that's that, that's the one thing that I don't like about the analytics of go for it or kick it is that for me, I value the possession lead I have. If I can turn a two-possession lead into a three-possession lead and it spits in the face of the analytics, sorry, analytics, I want a three-possession lead more than I care about 0.5%. What's better to kick or go? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Has your stance changed about how far away the Texans are from being a, a Super Bowl team after watching these games yesterday? And after watching these games yesterday, where do those improvements need to come from? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, Houston, you're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. He's Blank on Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5, 713-780-ESPN. Has your chance changed about how far away the Texans are from being a Super Bowl team after watching those games yesterday? And has it changed at all on how they should – try to continue in their build of their roster blankers i think for me jeremy it starts with the fact that when you look at the final four and you look at how dominant they could be those teams were defensively and you look at just what the texans weren't able to do against lamar and then what the chiefs were able to do i i think that you know as good as you've been offensively and you know now you have your quarterback and you have weapons that there are two things that play in the playoffs, and it starts with your ability to be, you know, suffocating and and to some degree dominant on defense. And I think that they have pieces, but that's where when we talk about like how you allocate resources from the draft and money from free agency, I think the biggest need for this team starting out with is kind of when D'Amico was saying, "Look, we got to improve the defensive line." I think you got to look at the entire defense and realize that those teams had the chance that they had and were as dominant as they were because no matter what they did on offense, their defense was stout. It was really, we know what Baltimore's defense was. Kansas City, you know, has been up and down defensively in this Mahomes era, but their defense this year was on a different level to where Mahomes said it was the best defense he has ever had since he's been with the Chiefs. The Lions, had they had playmakers. They had Hutchinson. They had, they, they had linebackers all over the place. They had what the Texans have to kind of focus on because it hasn't changed for me that they have the right pieces in place that are difference makers for the most part. And Grenard is obviously someone that they have to figure out or a replacement for him. But there's more to be done to be as staunch as I think that they have to be to be a Final Four caliber team in the NFL. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting because if you look at both of these games, I think they were won in very different ways. The AFC Championship game was was defensive-oriented, and it was defensive-oriented with the better two quarterbacks. Mahomes mm-hmm. and Lamar far better than Goff and Brock Purdy, yet that game was a 17-10 game, and then you have Brock Purdy and Jared Goff where the offenses are just running up and down the field. Detroit in the first half, San Francisco in the first half, and they combined for 65 points despite having the lesser two quarterbacks. You know, I kind of – Kansas City got a lot of grief all year, but yet here they are in the Super Bowl. They got a lot of grief all year that they have this, uh, you know, under uh, underperforming offense. You know, Mahomes isn't putting up the numbers that we think Pat Mahomes should put up. And Pat Mahomes didn't, like statistically, was not wonderful yesterday. He didn't turn it over. That's great. But he had 241 yards, threw it 39 times. Like that's that's dinking and dunking. He threw the one touchdown. But statistically, Pat Mahomes was nowhere near his best game. So we've heard all year, well, Mahomes isn't having the season we, we expect Mahomes to have. Now, Travis Kelsey has turned it on in the playoffs, but Travis Kelsey's regular season, like he was a fantasy football disappointment because he didn't have the numbers he did a year ago. Uh, they don't have any receivers. You know, the receivers stink. So we heard this all year about Kansas City, yet they were quietly turning in the second-best defense in the NFL on the year. And I think it caught a lot of people off guard. I think that's what I want for the Houston Texans. And I think it also it also makes them it, – it's kind of the MO of the coach because he's a defensive-minded guy. So you have a quarterback that I think can elevate players around him, uh, C.J. Stroud, players around him, similar to Pat Mahomes does with players around him. Um, they spent an emphasis they, – they made it an emphasis to build their defense as well. So they weren't just a, you know, a one-sided uh, football team. I, that's where I'm at with the Texans. I would love to have a defense where I show up – and I think I can win a game 17-10. to 10. And Kansas City has done that, surprising to everybody. So that's where I'm at. Like, I think that their defense has to get dramatically better because you might run into an offensive – you might run into the playoffs especially, and the Texans may have, where it's going to be really cold, it's going to be windy, it's going to be tough to move the ball, and you're not going to be able to win a game because your offense is better than the other team. Mm-hmm. But how can you win the game? Because you have a defense, and a defense can yep. always show up, and you have a defensive-minded coach. So – I kind of like the way Kansas City did it, and I I, I, er, I I want that to be the way the Texans do it. You know, it's different, Jeremy, because in Tampa Bay, they're so hell-bent on exactly that, that they wanted an offensive coordinator that wasn't as aggressive. They wanted, you know, an offense that was more kind of dummy down so that they could let the defense do their thing. He's never – D'Amico's, to your point, D'Amico's never going to take away C.J. Strengths or tell him to, like, not try to do as much. He knows what he has. But it's why he made the comments at the end of the season about how important it is to improve the defensive line. And I think you can kind of expand on that to think about what we were just saying about how you've gonna, you're going to have to make the defense better. Yes, you have some talented players, but it has to be more cohesive. It has to be more dominant and aggressive. And you have to be able to do what you're talking about in the playoffs that we both referenced. And on top of that, he mentioned the running game and how the running game's got to get better because the other way that you're able to do the things to set it up for your defense or to stay in those games is if the weather's bad or it's windy or all those elements are factoring in or you just don't have it going, if you can run the football, Baltimore proved it. They That, that translates and plays anywhere at any time, and that's why you stay in football games and have a, a, a better-than-average chance to win. 
you know, I, I don't even need the top-ranked rushing offense. Like, because nope. this this segment's going to be very easy to give me. Well, give me the best defense in the league. Give me the best rushing attack in the league. I want a defense that's capable of winning a game, and I want to be able to rely on a rushing attack to win a game. I don't care if they're first. I don't care if they're tenth. No. They're just capable on any given Sunday to put a team on their back and win that football game. And defensively, like they had moments, I don't think they were there defensively, and they certainly weren't there on, on with the rushing attack. Right, and, and that's the thing. You're right. They don't have to be the best rushing team in the league, but if they're a, if they're in the top ten and you have a lead, well, now you're eating up clock. Now you're playing clock management game when it's time to do that. Just like you're able to fully capable of opening it up and doing what you need to do with CJ and company when you want to air it out a bit. But to play smart football, and we see every decision is magnified in the playoffs, and it, in some cases it can be the difference between moving on and going home is the fact that if you have those two things that are better than average, you have a better than average chance of being in no matter what football game you're playing and when it occurs in the playoffs. 713-780-ESPN. Has your your stance changed at all uh, about the Texans' ability to get to a Super Bowl anytime soon after watching those conference championship games yesterday? And where do they have to get better to get on that tier? 713-780-3776. Also, I always find the, the leadership thing so funny when you're talking about teams, especially the Astros as of late. Uh, there's some thought going on that because the Astros have officially lost Hector Neris, they've lost Michael Brantley in retirement, they've lost, if you want to use the word lost, Martin Maldonado, that the Astros lack leadership. I always find this conversation hilarious. Uh, it's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.